Hey everyone, welcome to episode 110, Asked and Answered. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, I have another tangible for you. I know you love tangible things to go in your toolbox. So I am here to help you add things to your toolbox. And then guess who benefits when you add things to your toolbox? Your kids, everyone you interact with. And so this one I learned from my sister, who's a kindergarten teacher, and I use it with my first graders. And I use it with my own kids all the time. Sometimes they even use it with David. And sometimes they use it with me. So we've all been there where a child or us have asked for something over and over and over and over, and they want us to say a different answer. And so they keep peppering us with the same question or a different version of the same question over and over and over and over and over, and we are just relentless. I'll just use the example of being at the grocery store and being a lollipop mom. Now, a lollipop mom, I've talked about in the past before, I think, and that's if you're at the checkout and your child asks for a lollipop and you say no, And then the child cries and whines and throws themselves on the floor and freaks out. And you're like, no, 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 no. And they keep asking and they keep whining. And then you're embarrassed. And then you're like, okay, fine. You can have the lollipop. What that child learns is all I need to do is create such a scene that mom or dad will finally give in. Getting you to give in is the greatest strategy a child can have. Because once they see you giving in, then they're like, ha ha, I found the path to always getting yes. I just need to do X, Y, Z. Now, X, Y, Z could look different for different people and for different kids. Doesn't mean your child's manipulative. Doesn't mean your child is sneaky. Doesn't mean there's something wrong with your child. It means your child is smart and they're figuring out how to get their own way. And we are in our 20s, 30s, and 40s, and 50s, and we like to get our own way. So we can understand where they're coming from. Now, with the lollipop example, and they keep asking and they keep asking, what they're trying to do is they're trying to break you down so you say yes, because they want the lollipop or they want the extra screen time, or they want to go to their friend's house, or they want to take the keys. It's always going to be a different version of getting you to say yes. And so a lot of times they'll say, well, but why? And then you'll explain the why. Maybe you're going to have dinner. It's too much sugar. It's bad for your teeth. You just lost a tooth. Whatever the reason is, it doesn't really matter because they don't really care what the answer is. It could be the most logical answer that you could stand in a court of law and the entire jury and the judge would agree with you that your answer is justified. But that doesn't matter to a three-year-old or a 13-year-old or a 16-year-old. That doesn't matter. So a lot of times we try to reason and just explain it. Okay, well, that didn't work, but this is another reason why. And here's another reason why. And here's another reason why. And we try to justify our position. There's also some people pleasing that comes in. We don't want to see our child upset. We don't want to disappoint our child. We don't want to say no. We want to be the cool mom. Whatever it is, that all plays into it. But if you know that you're saying no or you're making a choice and you like your reasons, then I want you to have your own back and hold that boundary strong with your child. Some parents, we've talked about in the Goldilocks episode, too militant, too stringent, too strong, 
too controlling, too bossy Betty, and they could maybe bend a little bit. That was me, I would say, before I was conscious. There's other parents that just don't want their child to ever be upset, so they just give in, they give in, they give in, they give in, they give in, they're people-pleasing. They don't want their child upset, and so they act more like a doormat, do whatever you want. And so there is a balance between the two, and our brain likes to go to all or nothing. Either we're a doormat or we're militant. What is it, Kelly? What's it gonna be? And there is that balance in between the two. And finding that balance is a dance that you are gonna do with your child, and no one else can do that dance other than you and your child. Now, you're going to see dance moves in between your child and your spouse, if you're married, or the father or the mother of your child that you're not going to agree with. But you're not on the dance floor, nor were you invited to cut in. You have to stay in your lane and stay on your own dance floor because you're having your own dance with your child and your child is having their own separate dance with their mom, with their dad, separate from you. So that's where you get a lot of your power because you're focused on your side of the street, you're focused on your lane, you're focused on your dance floor. Whatever analogy works for you, that dance is between you and your child and you know that child and you know them on the soul level. So this podcast and our podcast is great, but you know your child on their soul level and they know you on your soul level. That's when it gets super deep. Because then that connection is so powerful that you can feel it. It's almost like when you're at a wedding and you feel the love in the air. When you have that dance going and you guys are moving and grooving, then it becomes very effortless. But what works for my dance floor isn't always gonna be the same for your dance floor. I was using the example with my friend Katie because we were talking about different ways that we like to stay healthy. I love running. I love it. I I actually don't love it, but I love the way I feel afterwards. I love lifting weights. I love going for a run in the heat. The hotter, the better. I think it brings out a lot of my childhood memories of being a soccer player. When it was noon on the hottest day of summer, and I was like, yes, bring me more. So when I'm running in the heat, I have a lot of those childhood memories that come up. So that's what works for me. Now for Katie, she might like to do yoga or riding her bike or doing bar. I don't like riding my bike. The only reason why I don't like riding my bike is because I had a bad accident on my bike three or four years ago, I don't think I've been on the bike since. It was such a bad accident. It ended me in the hospital. I had stitches. I still have a dent in my leg from the bad accident. Katie loves riding her bike. Now, which is better, riding the bike or running? Which is better is what works for her and what's better is what works for me. There's nothing wrong with riding your bike. There's nothing wrong with running in the heat. So my dance with exercise is different than her dance with exercise, but guess what? We're both exercising, we're both on the dance floor. That's all that matters. So that's why we have to take our own inventory, focus on our side of the street and say, hey, what litter and debris and clutter and trash do I have on my side of the street? What baggage am I bringing into this relationship? She loves riding her bike because she's never had a bike accident. That's baggage on my side of the street. Nothing's wrong with baggage. It's an experience that happened that shaped me and molded me, and now it's influenced my decisions as an adult. She didn't play soccer as a kid. Those are experiences she had or didn't have that are influencing her as an adult. Neither right, neither wrong. So when you can know that about your child and you know them on the soul level, like you do and no one else does, then you can make decisions from that place instead of, What are they doing on Facebook? What are they doing on Instagram? What is my neighbor doing? What about that mom in the mom's group when she said X, Y, Z? Or what about what Kelly said on the podcast? I really, 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 really want our podcast to be a place where it empowers you to think for yourself and not look always externally for the answers. The answer and the power lives within you. And so unleashing that power within, like Tony Robbins 
talks about is the goal of our podcast. And I hope on a stack of Bibles every single day, I never come off as a know-it-all or that my kids never tantrum or that we're unicorn perfect parents. We are just dancing a different dance. So finding that middle ground is very important and knowing that there could be some people pleasing going on that you don't want to see your child upset or there could be some, you're not taking care of yourself and you're not feeling great about yourself. So you're expecting your child to make you feel great about yourself. I did that a lot. I still do sometimes. I'm just more onto myself. I'm more onto my BS story. I'm more onto my unconsciousness, if that makes sense. This is gonna sound so wild. A lot of times I'm very unconscious, but I'm almost conscious about my unconsciousness. Does that make sense? Sometimes I can catch it before, sometimes I can catch it during, and a lot of times I catch it after. So asked and answered is something to use in your tool belt with your strong, assertive, pack leader energy voice, not whining, not yelling, not snapping. Tone is everything. They say 93% of our language is nonverbal. Nonverbal is also the way we say it. It's not what we say, it's how we say it. If you were just to focus all day on not what you're saying, but how you're saying it, you would be blown away of how exhausting that would be because we're all running an unconscious tone, so to speak. Yes, we're speaking unconsciously a lot, but we're also running on unconscious tones. And so living a conscious life is very tiring and very exhausting until it's not because it creates so much mind management and so much mind work in the beginning until it becomes second nature. Because we're creating these new neural pathways and this new habit or this new way of being or this new way of engaging with our child or it could be with our spouse that it's very tiring for the brain. The brain likes to be on autopilot. And so going back to the lollipop example at the checkout, the child asked for the lollipop. No, we're not going to do that. Why? You give the reason. Can I have the lollipop? I promise I want that a lot. And then they try to just, the reason why you don't want to give an answer, so to speak. I mean, you can give an answer, but when you give an answer, like let's say the answer is, I don't want you having a lollipop because we're about to have dinner. Then they will come back with, oh, that's fine. I'll still eat my dinner. When that really wasn't the reason, but it was just a reason you came up with. Then you're arguing about reasons and you're like, no, stop, leave me alone. You keep bothering me. You're such a pest. All these things are going to come up but we don't have to actually say those things just because they come up in our head. So a quick one-liner that you could use with your kids is asked and answered. But I'll eat my dinner. I'll brush my teeth. I won't have dessert. Whatever it is, asked and answered. And you're just very calm. Everything's NBD. No big deal. Then they keep going, keep going. Then you can say A&A for asked and answered. If they don't feel like they can wiggle their way into this lollipop, they're gonna give up and quit. They're gonna stop asking if they keep hitting that brick wall because they know that you're consistent and you keep your word and you do what you say you're gonna do time after time after time after time. So then you're in this dance of like, oh, we're gonna step on each other's toes plenty. Don't you worry about that. But when it comes to what she says, she means what she says, but you don't have to say it in a mean way. Tone is everything. I should get a bumper sticker that says for tie. Tone is everything. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. We say that to our kids all the time, but are we using that same advice for ourselves? Tone is everything and everything's NBD. Even if they're jump out of the cart and they're flailing on the ground, you don't wanna flail with them and lose your mind with them because they're drunk on emotion. There's no way they can sober up on their own. You can have that talk later on when they're calmed down, but not in the heat of the moment. Just like it's hard for you to be calm in the heat of the moment, it's hard for them to be calm in the heat of the moment. So you exit stage left and you're just not in the heat of the moment with them. You're the diffuser. So it starts with asked and answered. And you can say that a couple of times if you need to. Then you can say A and A. 
And then if you need to, if it keeps going, you can give the sign language of the letter A. So we're not really engaging anymore. And people say, well, they'll still keep going. They'll still keep going. They'll still keep going. They'll still keep going. The reason why they keep going is because in the past, it has worked. And so the more you do that and the more consistent you are, then they'll know, oh, she means business. He means business. Not business in a way of like, whoa, I'm going to be in trouble. But in a way of like, when they say something and they make a boundary, they hold the line. They hold that boundary. It's very hard to make boundaries. But what happens when you make a boundary and you stick to it and you teach them over and over and over that mom or dad holds boundaries, they actually feel more secure in those boundaries because they know the dance moves in return. Kids don't do well when they have all of that power, all of that control, or all of that authority because they're always trying to figure out the way to wiggle through it and get to a yes. So there's three tiers. It's asked and answered, then A and A, then the sign language. And if that's not working, then that tells you, huh, okay, this is a good thing that I need to teach during role-playing. This is a good thing that I need to teach with puppets, with stuffed animals. If there's too old for puppets and stuffed animals, then you can recreate that situation in your own life. You and your spouse could even play it up where you could tell him or her in advance. This is what I'm going to do. I need you to say asked and answered. I'm going to act like the little person who's like the yipping dog and I'm not going to give up. And so you're just going to keep saying that. And then I'm going to talk out loud. Like, let's say David's watching baseball and I want to watch true crime. Story of my life. And so I'll say, well, I want to watch true crime. I want to watch true crime. I want to watch true crime. And then David will say asked and answered. And so the kids are like in the room, but they're not in the room, if that makes sense. They're not like, oh, wow, what's going on here? And then he can say A and A. And then I can talk out loud like, oh, I know asked and answered. I know when he says that, I know he means it. And I know I need to stop asking, but sometimes I can't stop asking. And this is a total made up scenario that I just came up with three seconds ago because I would get curious and not furious about, okay, if my kids are not, the A and A isn't working, then kids do well when they can. Dr. Ross Green, I love that line. When they're not doing well in a certain area, then that just means they need more lessons. They need more teaching. They need more role modeling of it. How am I modeling for them? Am I a yipping dog when I don't get my way? A lot of times I am. So you could set up that scenario if they're older and stuffed animals and puppets aren't going to work. I could do it with Lily and Grady could be eavesdropping. Lily would love to play that part. I could do it with Grady and Lily could be eavesdropping and Grady would love to play that part. So you see how everything's very light, very fluffy, very NBD, no big deal. I like to talk about NBD for no big deal and light and fluffy. There's also another energy that I want you to bring into the places that bring you the most stress and it's PIC for playing it cool. Now, if you've already potty trained, you know the potty training game, so to speak. If you haven't potty trained yet, this is your future. And the more you play it cool with potty training, the easier it happens. The more you play it cool with, let's say, with their eating, the easier it happens. When kids feel that tense energy around something, that's when they shut down. That's when they're like, oh, I have a little bit of power and control here. I know that how I can get to her or get to him, or I can assert some control because I'm feeling like there's too much control. There's not a shared energy of control in this relationship. They don't come out and say that, but at two years old, they can feel that. And so the more that we're on top of them, of potty, potty, potty. Do you have to go poop? Do you have to go poop? Do you have to go poop? Do you, you want M&Ms? You want to pee in the chair? Like they can sense that energy. They can sense that this is a big deal and they kind of like their spidey senses are up and they're like, huh, this is really racking her brain. She's really tense about this. So then that energy is transferred onto them where they're super tense about it. So the more that you play it cool and the more that you are NBD, 
the more they're going to be open because their walls and their defensiveness is not put up. And they're not going to stonewall you because it's just another random Tuesday. That's all it is. I remember when I was potty training both of them, I remember getting so wound up in, do you have to go potty? Do you have to go poo? Do you want to go? Do you want the M&M? I was so freaked out because, especially with Lily, because I couldn't see the end game. I'd never done it before. I had seen my sisters do it with their kids, but I wasn't emotionally attached to the outcome. I remember celebrating and calling them when they had a potty party and they'd call me and we'd have a potty party on the phone. Like, oh my goodness, you want PB on the potty? That's amazing. I would do all that, but I wasn't emotionally invested. I was like, of course it's going to happen. So I remember my sister saying to me, Kelly, they're not going to go to kindergarten peeing their pants. And I was like, are you sure about that? Because when you're in the thick of it, you really think they're going to be going to college and they're going to poop in their underwear. You really think that because you can't think outside of this bubble. When we had Maggie and it's our first puppy we've ever had, I couldn't see the forest through the trees. I was like, am I always going to be staring at this dog to see if she's piddling on the carpet? Am I always going to be staring at this dog? I don't think she's ever going to be potty trained. And so my energy around it was not no big deal. It took a lot longer because I had no point of reference. I had no point of like, this is not, is this going to be forever? Because I can't do this. I can't take her out every 30 minutes. I can't stare at her like she's a statue. And then every time she moves a muscle, like, (gasps) I was like this energy of just like tense walking on eggshells energy. And the first five years of my parenting for Lily and Grady was walking on eggshells. I was always blaming it on Lily walking on eggshells because I never wanted to see them upset. Because when they got upset, then I get upset. And then David got upset that I was upset. And then we were double teaming Lily, we're double teaming Grady. And it was like total chaos because I thought kids should be happy all the time. And I remember hearing, your kids don't have to be happy all the time. I was like, wait, what? Are you sure about that? And I was like, in hindsight, I'm like, of course. And my kids aren't happy all the time now. And it's so freeing that I don't expect that. So kids are big time on tone and energy. So remember, everything's NBD. They're not gonna go to college peeing their pants. Asked and Answered is a great strategy and great tool to teach them about creating boundaries of not peppering and peppering and peppering and peppering and peppering. And then they can also use it with you when you're peppering about them, about something, because you will, and we all do. Everything's NBD, no big deal. Energy is very light and fluffy. And most of all, play it cool. Because the more you play it cool, the less their walls will be up and then more learning and connection can happen that way. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.